0: You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius podcast.
1: Hey, greetings from the Holy Land. I am here with about 47 folks from our Grace Covenant family, and we have been having an awesome time up around the Sea of Galilee, seeing many of the locations where... Where Jesus taught and performed the miracles. And this morning, we are here at the spring of Harod, where Gideon would have brought his army of 10,000 men to be narrowed down to 300. And it was all about how they uh, drank from this spring. And even this morning, you're going to be hearing uh, the story as um, the message is brought from Judges chapter 7, as we've been talking about God is bigger. But we thought it would be Christ for you to see actually the spring and how the soldiers drank from the spring. So I'm gonna give you a a little display of how we think it might've happened as the soldiers were brought here. There were 300 that lapped the water up out of the spring. Well, that's some good water. And out of that, there was 300 men that was chosen. 300 men defeated 135,000. It was only by the power of God. This is what I know today. God is bigger. It was revealed through Gideon and his army. And God's bigger than whatever you're facing in your life. So I pray for God's blessings with you and it's blessings for you. It's great to bring you greetings from the Holy Land. Plan to be with me here in 2021. God bless.
0: Isn't that awesome? That's so cool. So he's actually at the place that we're going to be talking about this morning. If you've been with us over the past few Sundays, we've been going through this series, God is bigger. God is bigger. It's been an amazing series. If you don't know this, uh, the middle schoolers, I'm using the same outline with the middle schoolers because I believe that if Pastor Farrell... uh, is seeking God and is feeling that this message is good for the Grace family, then it's also good for middle schoolers, but it's really cool to see what God is doing there as we go through this series, God is bigger, so last week we focused a lot on God is bigger than our insecurities, if you're like me, and and maybe you're not, but me, I'm 46 years old, Uh, I have several kids, I have nine kids, in fact, don't laugh, some of you are like what in the world was
1: he thinking?
0: <laughs> this is the thing that i've discovered about myself and and have to maintain an awareness of where i'm at is is this that at 46 years old there's still some insecurities that i fight that i fought when i was in middle school now i i hope that i'm more self-aware now than i was then but taking the taking the time to talk with middle schoolers even in my own personal testimony of what God does in in the midst of life the fact that he's bigger than any of those fears and anxieties that might cause insecurities God is bigger than This morning as we continue in the story of Gideon we're going to see that God is bigger than any odds that might be stacked against you we'll see those odds We'll see the numbers that are stacked against Gideon. But we have to understand that God is bigger than any odds that would come against us. The story of Gideon, Gideon is this perfect picture of the divinity of God interacting with the humanity of Gideon. I love the fact that though this story is about something that happened you know, thousands of years ago. That it's in the Bible for me to read today. Because I could take myself and put it into Gideon's story and grow from it this is why we have it even though Gideon is coming up against a little army the truth is each one of us including myself many times in life will face circumstances where we feel like the odds are so stacked against us so we see god in his grace his love his patience dealing with gideon maybe i'm the only one in the room that at times when the odds are stacked against me and i feel like god asking me to do something that's going to be maybe painful, but definitely uncomfortable, causes some stress in my life as he's calling me forward into something that he wants me to, to do. I have questions. And I love that Gideon is able to ask those questions. And I love even more that God answers those with love and patience and grace. And then we see Gideon also test God. Isn't it wonderful to know that when we find ourselves in those circumstances and perhaps we're asking God questions and maybe even testing him to confirm his will for our life, that he's loving and patient towards us. In fact, there's never a time that he's not. In life, we come to circumstances and situations that appear impossible from our limited human experience. But when God brings his power and brings his provision, the impossible Becomes Possible This theme This truth Happens to arise in many of our series And I think that it should I hope that we never get tired of hearing That through us God wants to do the impossible The reality is this That God didn't need Gideon To wipe out the Midianites You agree with that? In fact we see other times in scripture Where he doesn't use anybody In this case he's using Gideon what this tells me is that God wants to use me to do the impossible. Me. We find Gideon at the beginning of the story, he's actually hiding. He's afraid of what the Midianites might do. And so not only is he hiding, but he's hiding his wheat. So that if the Midianites come, they won't find him or the wheat. Yet the angel of the Lord comes to him. And what does the angel of the Lord call Gideon? Mighty warrior. I love this Story, seeing God interact with Gideon. And in myself, seeing that many times, my humanity interacting with the divinity of God. David Platt said this, nothing is impossible for the people of God who trust in the power of God to accomplish the will of God. Can I say that again? Nothing is impossible for the people of God who trust in the power of God to accomplish the will of God. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Judges chapter 7. We're also going to have these verses on the screen for you to follow along. Judges chapter 7, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. And it says this, Early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Harod. That's where Pastor Pharaoh was greeting us from. Isn't that so cool? He was there. The camp of Midians was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. They would say my own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. We're going to talk about those numbers in just a moment. Verse 4, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. Well, thanks, God. <laughs> if I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him Separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So let's talk about the numbers real quick. And we're going to have some illustrations up on the screen for you in just a moment. But Gideon starts out with 32,000 men. And that might sound like a pretty good army, but he was up against 135,000. How many of you would say that the odds are stacked against Gideon? 135,000 against just 32,000. And then God takes Gideon through this, this time where he's, he's diminishing Gideon's army. I found something interesting as I was reading through this story. And this happened to, kinda, I, I kind of happened to see this a few weeks ago. But we know that in the, in the beginning of the story, Gideon tests God twice, two times Gideon tests God. And, and Gideon was testing just to confirm the will of God, but he tests, he tests God twice. I love the fact that now we see God diminishing his army twice. Like, why not just take everybody out at one time? I don't know. Maybe there's some significance there. I think God somewhat uh, chuckles at us when he's taking us through these times. I can imagine God chuckling at Gideon when he's telling Gideon this. And Gideon's like. (laughs) But as he does this, the result is this. The power of God is revealed not just in Gideon's life, but through Gideon's life. The power of God. God wants to demonstrate his power in us and through us as well. God is able to take a little and make it more than enough. Somebody say amen for that. As we were worshiping this morning, one of the things that I always practice in the midst of a time of worship, whether it's here with others or at home, is realizing there's an exchange that's taking place. I'm giving God whatever I have, which is very little. And he takes what's very little and makes it way more than enough. He takes what's little and then he gives me all that he has. That's a pretty good exchange, right? God is able to take a little and make it more than enough. So let's talk about when this transaction takes place. We give God the little we have and he gives us all that he has. This takes place when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We're now positioned to receive everything that God has. Listen to me, after we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it's not about being good from there on out. It's about drawing close to God. So immediately upon our our acceptance of who Jesus is in our lives, everything that God has is then available to us. So he takes very little and makes it more than enough. The Bible tells us that we become new creations. It also tells us this, that we're created to do good things. So let's talk about the odds. God is able to take 450 to 1 odds and turn it into victory. 451 to 1 odds. Now, I don't want to ask you to raise your hands if you gamble. Ever. Don't look at your spouse. I saw a few elbows flying. This would be quite a gamble, right? If you were putting money down, 450 to 1 odds. If you were putting money down on the 1. I don't know too many of us in the room that would feel comfortable doing that. 450 to 1 odds. Listen, first Gideon starts out with the numbers nowhere near being on his side, that being 135,000 enemy soldiers against his 32,000. Gideon has 100, or the army against him has 135 enemy soldiers just against his 32,000. Now we have an illustration, and it doesn't necessarily have 135,000 to 32,000, but it does have the odds represented here Now when I see those I think maybe Like if, if I were to take the time just to look around the room I might be able to pick four of you out that I could take Or at least that I could run faster from So these, these odds maybe Like maybe Gideon's not too afraid right now Taking his full army of the 32,000 against the 135,000 But let's see what God do, does next In verse 3, we see that God sent 22,000 home. 22,000 home. So now it's 135,000 against 10,000. So the odds are growing greater against Gideon. And even that, I'm thinking, maybe if I could strategically get those in a hallway and come against them one at a time, perhaps. Especially if my sword's a lot longer than theirs. (laughs) The odds are still quite against Gideon. But it's, God's not done yet. This is why I think God's just sitting up there kind of laughing as he's taking through Gideon through this. Like, wait, wait till he sees what I do next. How many, how many of you are thinking at this point, like, when you see everybody leave, you're like, maybe I'd better go home too? Or when we go back to when God says, how many of you are afraid? How many of you all be like, yeah, I mean... It doesn't stop there. God then takes Gideon's army from 10,000 down to 300. 300. This is pretty overwhelming. (laughs) Now I'm thinking at this point, eh, just turn around and run away, hide somewhere. But God is setting Gideon up and these 300 men. To display his power in a way that it could not be displayed if the odds weren't so stacked. So I don't know about you, but there's definitely been times in my life when the odds were stacked against me. Perhaps you're facing circumstances right now in your life where the odds are stacked against you. Circumstances where the obstacles seem insurmountable and defeat seems guaranteed. Listen, with God, the odds are forever in your favor. It's, in fact, they're never not in your favor. With God and God's power working in us and through us, it doesn't matter what odds we come up against. God is able to work through your weakness for his glory. Some of y'all have been sitting in like, wow,
1: yes, Jesus.
0: Let me read it again, because I don't think you got it. God is able to work through your weakness for his glory. And maybe the weakness isn't necessarily in the person of Gideon, although Gideon explains to God as if he didn't know early on, listen, I'm the weakest, in my family is the, the weakest of the clan of the tribe, right? He, he makes sure God knows uh, I'm pretty weak. But look at this. God is able to work through your weakness for his glory. It has nothing to do with my abilities or my talents. It has nothing to do with my knowledge or resources. Some of us are praying for more resources when God's already told us to go. Do something. But we keep waiting, praying. God's already said go. It has everything to do with being obedient and bringing God glory. So how do we position ourselves? To experience God's power. We need to position ourselves in a way that God's able to work through us. Listen, put your confidence and trust in God's ability, not in your human ability. Judges seven, verse two. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men, I cannot deliver meeting into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own they would say, my own strength has saved me. Listen, we're amazing at taking uh we're amazing in our ability to take credit for something we have not done. How many of you have ever prayed for a job and then when when God gave it to you, you forgot to thank him? Or you thought it was because of your resume? How many times have we cried out to God during desperate times but neglected to give him credit for the deliverance? Paul Weber says this, the more you trust in the arm of the flesh, the less you're going to see the power of God. And let's realize that the power of God, his desire is to work through us in power moment by moment, day by day. Second Corinthians three verses four and five says such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Listen, God doesn't need your ability. He needs your obedience. Judges seven, three now announce to the army. Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So twenty two thousand men left. 10,000 remained God doesn't need Your ability, your your strength Your knowledge, your resources He just needs your obedience When we choose to go our own way And do our own thing We are moving away from God And the power of God That we need Alright, how many of you fellas and and ladies you You can answer this too If you like working with power tools Anybody out there like working with power tools? How many of you guys would raise your hand to admit that you own power tools? And they're displayed in your garage, and we love just to walk through and see them. But we've never cut a piece of wood. I hardly ever do those things, but I love collecting DeWalt tools. Because I always convince my wife, you know, just in case, I need to do something for you, babe. I need to have the tools to do that. One thing that we have to consider whenever we're setting up power tools is how close we are to the source of power in the form of a receptacle that you plug into the wall, right? Or a receptacle that's in the wall that you plug into. When we plug in, we pull the trigger and things work. Something interesting also is the farther you get away from the power source, the power diminishes. And you might have 550 feet of extension cable, but the power is being diminished as it moves its way from the source to your tool. Listen, the farther we are from God, the power of God diminishes in our lives. Not his power. His power is always on display. But his ability to work through us, the farther we are from the source is diminished. So it's key to always stay close. In fact, the Bible says this: if if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. See, this is when the power comes on display. God working in us and through us when we stay, when we stay close. First Samuel 15, 22, we see an example of what happens in the life of the Israelites. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So what was taking place here? Why does this apply? The Israelites at this point in history, and you'll see it go up and down, at this point in history, the Israelites are no longer close to God. But they're going to church every Sunday morning and doing sacrifices. And God's saying this, Obedience, staying close to the source of my power, is so much better than sacrifices. Listen, so many times we create the same type of rituals, not that we are sacrificing anything in church on Sunday mornings. Perhaps maybe one or two of our kids by the time we get home. But rather than be a ritual that happens on Sunday morning, how about we just stay close to God, the source of his power throughout the week, moment by moment, day by day, week by week, staying close to the source of his power. When we follow God's ways, we get God's results. How many of y'all want God's results? Yes. If I want God's results and I obey his ways, I don't come to him with a plan that's already formulated. Okay, God, I'm just thinking this is a good idea if we... Luke eleven twenty eight says this. He replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed are those who hear and obey. Obeying, staying, staying close to the source. James 1, to 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. <laughs> I love that God has to say that to us. What's another, it's another way we stay close to the source? Listen to this. Worship of God opens the way for the work of God. The worship of God opens the way for the work of God. What we didn't read in the story is after Gideon goes through his testing, his army is diminished. I don't know what he's thinking. But he decides that he's going to go in and sneak into the enemy camp. And when he gets into the enemy camp, he hears a soldier talking about a dream that that soldier had the night before. And after he explains the dream, another soldier interprets the dream. And he says this, that dream was about Gideon's army coming in and taking us out. And so after hearing that, we see Judges 7, 15. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, listen to this, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Listen, when you choose to worship God, you're taking your focus off the circumstances you're facing and setting your focus on God who is able. We had the opportunity to do that this morning in worship. We'll have another opportunity to do that this evening at the night of worship. As the worship team comes, they're going to lead us in a song again. And I want us to take, right there in our seats, I want us to take the time to respond to God in this area. We see Gideon after he's hearing what the dream, it says that he fell and he worshipped. My belief is this, when when we constantly, consistently worship God, he's able to do far more through us than if we weren't. That's why I believe times like this morning and times like this evening and the times that you're going to spend at home listening to worship music, there's something that happens in our life when we worship God. And this is it. We begin to see who God is. And as I begin to see exactly who God is, I also see exactly who I am. The more I see who God is, the more I realize that I need him. I need him. God is bigger than He's, he's bigger than any odds that are stacked against me. Listen, I know that across the room this morning we're facing odds that are stacked against us. And each one of us have a, has a personal story of those odds. I wonder if our story could be the same. In fact, I know that our story can be the same as the ending of, ending of the Gideon story. And that's this, Victory. Victory. That we this morning, no matter what the odds are against us, no matter what circumstances that we're facing in our life currently, that as we worship God, we can leave this place walking in victory. Because God is bigger than. What does worship do? It brings my eyes from my circumstances to the God who is able to overcome my circumstances. Why would we not want to worship? So, as the team leads us in this song, let's stand to our feet. And however God leads you to worship, let's, let's worship him. If that's to come down front, there's not going to be anybody here, but you can meet God here. Let's raise our hands. Let's lift our voice. Let's worship him, believing that after we worship, we can leave this place in victory, walking and going with the God who is bigger than any circumstances or any odds that are stacked against us. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, Visit us at gracecovenant.org.